heights to the depths of the sea. And it was still being meted out. It was still being played out. In fact, tonight as we look at Absalom and his treachery and his treason, if you will, is going to fulfill what God had spoken in verse 11 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to see it being played out. And it's not going to end there because we know, spoiler alert, Absalom is going to be killed by David's nephew, Joab, later on, a few chapters from now. So the sword is continuing to devour his household. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In our lesson today, Pastor Rob reviews the actions of Absalom as he attempts to overthrow his father's government. These actions continue to show the consequences to David's sin, even though God had forgiven him. Absalom's clever approach made him able to subvert and divide David's kingdom without saying any specific thing that could condemn him. If someone objected, Absalom would simply say, Tell me one thing that I have said or done. In fact, Absalom could do all this and say, I'm helping David to deal with all this discontent, while Absalom was, in fact, promoting discontent. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Last week we started 2 Samuel 15, and what I'd like to do tonight is we're going to finish the chapter, and and Lord willing, we'll get into the uh, chapter 16 as well. And I'd just like to read uh, the first nine verses of chapter 15, because that's really where we left off last time we were together. It was right at uh, verse 9. So let's just read this. It says, After this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate, and so it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such and such a tribe of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, and then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. And so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel." And now it came to pass after 40 years, but this is actually after four years. Um, It's just a mistranslation there, we believe. Uh, It came to pass after four years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow 
while I dwelt at Jeshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king, David, said to him, Go in peace. And so he arose and went to Hebron. Now, if you remember, prior to this, uh, Absalom had fled to Jeshur, which is in the northern part of Israel, just actually northeast of the Sea of Galilee, if you were to look at a map of Israel. And the reason that Absalom fled there is because his grandfather um, lived up there. Because remember, even though Absalom was the third eldest son of David, uh, David had other wives. In fact, and it tells us in the, second, uh, in the third chapter of, of this very book that in Hebron there were six uh, sons born to David in Hebron by six different mothers. And it just so happened that Absalom's mother was the daughter of the king of Jeshur, which is up north in Israel. And so it was very natural for Absalom to flee there. And why did he flee? He fled because he killed David's firstborn son, Amnon. And why did he kill him? Because Absalom had a younger sister. Her name was Tamar, if you remember. And Tamar was a blood sister, a full sister of Absalom, a half-sister of Amnon, David's firstborn son. But Tamar was a full-blood brother for, of, of Absalom. And so what had happened, if you remember, and how could you forget, because this is such a horrible thing to, to talk about, much less to, um, for, to happen in real life. Remember, Amnon had... Uh, coerced his half-sister into the bedroom with her. The Bible tells us that he loved her, but what he really did is he lusted after her because it says that he became thin over her. He, he, he had this great passion and desire for her, so much so that it became, uh, he began to lose weight because of this lust of his. And I, I can understand in, in our culture, and we, we've seen uh, men just in, in inordinate um, uh, display of affection for a woman because of their lust they they can do all kinds of crazy things and sometimes left unchecked it becomes a sickness and i believe that amnon had such a desire for her she became an idol to him so much so that he began to lose weight and so remember he coaxed her in feigning to be sick and david even encouraged her to go in and minister to her brother and so she did. And the Bible tells us that she was a knockout. She was beautiful. And Amnon, of course, was struck with her so much. And that's why. And so she comes into the room, into the, and he leads her into the bedroom, and he tells all of his assistants to leave the, the palace or the place where um, um, Amnon was. Remember, he was a firstborn son, so he had attendants and people attending to him. And so he told them all to leave. And in the process of time, he forced Tamar into a physical relationship, raped her. And we know that David heard about the incident but did nothing. And David did nothing, and perhaps he did nothing because he was already still smarting from his own sin. Remember, it was David just prior to this. We, we, the time frame, it may be a year or so. We don't, I don't really have that fact on hand. But just prior to this, remember David had taken Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He didn't rape her, 
but, but he was out in the fighting a battle, and he um, called for her, and she came into the king's palace one night, and he had a physical relationship with her. And, she, and then after she was found to be pregnant, David sought for Uriah, who was out in a battle laying siege to another city, and they would be out there for months at a time. And so he called his servant, who was in his army, called him back to his house, Hey, how did the, how's the war going? How's the siege going? And in the process of that, David thought, if I could get him home and to get, send him home to his own wife, that they would have relations. And then when she was found to be pregnant, oh, wow. And then David would be exonerated. But God had a different plan. God would not let David get away with this sin. And, and so Uriah showed more honor than David did, and knowing that his brothers were still fighting out in the field, he would not go to his own home for a nice meal and to be with his wife, knowing that his brothers were out in the field. And so he refused to do it. So David had to give him a letter, and he wrote the letter, and and the letter was basically a letter to Joab, who was the commander of David's army. And he says, "When, when you go to lay siege against the city and you're going against a battle, I want you to put Uriah in the front of the battle. And then withdraw from him. And so here Uriah takes this memo that's been sealed with this king's signet ring, and it can't be opened, and he carries back to Joab, several miles away, his own death sentence. So David is still stinging from the rebuke of that sin, not only of the adultery with a man's wife, but also killing her husband. And You know, when we read this, this is not just a story. We have to remember that this was an actual historical event. And this is the same King David that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. And that was also the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, how could God say that with all of these glaring sins in his life? The simple matter is that David truly repented. Repentance is something that's near and dear to God's heart. It's one thing to do something and to never repent of it, to never ask you know, forgiveness for it, and to continue on like nothing ever happened. That is not a good place to be. But David, when confronted finally, he broke like an egg and he repented. He was not the same man. But you recall in the uh, 12th chapter of this very book that there was... Uh, uh, there was now going to be consequences for David's sin. And remember, God spoke to Nathan the prophet to go to David and to speak to him. And as a result of him sleeping with Uriah's wife Bathsheba, and as a result of killing Uriah, this is what God said to David. This would be the consequence. Now, it tells us in chapter 12, as as we've already read, that God forgave David because David's heart was really repentant. He, He really broke which is a a wonderful thing. That's where God wants us all to be. He doesn't want us to continue in sin. That the whole result of these consequences is sometimes to get us to break. But even if we do break and we confess it and we're restored with God, there are always consequences that follow. And God, for some reason, even though you can be forgiven, there are consequences that follow. Perhaps you've done something in your life where you know it was a sin issue. It was a sin that you did, something you said, something you did, whatever it was. And the person forgave you, and God forgives you. But unfortunately, there's this thing called consequence. Because whenever we sin, there are consequences. What does the Bible tell us in Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is what? It's death. 
And it may be physical death, depending on the sin that you're committing. If you're a heroin addict, then that may be a sin unto death because you may get a hot shot. And I, there's people that I know who that has happened to. And there are other sins that may not lead you to physical death right away, but if left unconfessed and unrepented of, it will lead them to spiritual death, which after they have died physically, they will spend an eternity in hell. That's what the Bible says. Nobody likes to talk about hell. But here at Calvary Chapel, we talk about it (laughs) because it's in the Bible. And guess what? Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else. And it's not because he liked it. Believe me, that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He would much rather the sinner come to repentance, right? And hopefully all of us have come to repentance. But consequences. And this is what God told to David through his prophet Nathan. He said, Now therefore, as a result of these things, David, and this is in Second Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And we already looked at the sword already devouring his his son, because Absalom killed Amnon. We've already seen that happen. And that was just the beginning. And then he goes on and he says this, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel before the son. And so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, and the child also who is born of you shall surely die. And therein is the consequence for David's sin. And it was still being meted out. It was still being played out. In fact, tonight as we look at Absalom, and his treachery, and his treason, if you will, is going to fulfill what God had spoken in verse 11 of Second Samuel chapter 12. We're going to see it being played out. And it's not going to end there, because we know, spoiler alert, Absalom is going to be killed by David's nephew, Joab, later on, a few chapters from now. So the sword is continuing to devour his household. And again, David knew he was forgiven, but there were consequences. And that's always the part of it that stinks the most, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when you, when you know you've blown it and God has forgiven you, and he has. You know, the Bible says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, right? That's a promise from God. He forgives you if we confess it. It's like, he, it's like you never did it. He forgets it. He chooses to forget it because he puts the blood of his son over that sin. He covers it. He no longer sees the sin. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing for us to remember. Because if you're the type of person that when you sin, you confess it, but you still walk around beating yourself up for a, a, several days or weeks because of what you've done, you don't understand the depth of that promise. Because the depth of the promise, I believe, is not only forgiving you, but giving you the grace to turn around as if you'd never done it. And I tell you, when you can get to that place and you really believe that, not, not, not um, condoning anything and not acting like you can forget it, because certainly we have brains, we, we can't 
forget things usually, but God chooses to forget. He casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. And guess what? They never meet. If you go north and south, you go north and then you go south. And you go north and you go south. But east and west, it never meets. You start going east and you keep going east. You never go west. Do you get the point? His, that's his grace. That's his mercy. That's how much he forgives. And that's something that you really need to hold near and dear to your heart. Because it will save you from a lot of sorrow, a lot of heartache, and probably a lot of pharmacy bills. Because when you have a, a, a peace with God because of your sin and your, con- your confession to him, you'll have the peace of God. And the peace of God will cause the, the sinner, <laughs> although saved by grace, it'll cause that person to lay their head on the pillow at night and be able to sleep and know that their father loves them, has restored them, and, and forgives them. That is the kind of irresistible grace that the world needs to know. And see, you and I are the ambassadors of that grace. We are the ambassadors, the of that of that message, the gospel message. It's good news, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it would be really bad news. I mean, can you imagine that, telling everybody, hey, I got some bad news for you. You sinned, and you're going straight to hell when you die. How many people will come to that church? How many people will be drawn to Jesus? If all he, you know, if it's just an angry God up in the sky somewhere, just waiting for his subjects to mess up so he can squash them like a grape. See, religion... And people in religion and other denominations, they sometimes teach that. They may not teach it, but they, they, you feel it because every, it, you're just waiting for the lightning bolt. And, but God's character is not like that. He loves people. He loves you. He doesn't want to see you continuing to wallow in your misery because sin is misery. You know how long it was from the moment that David did those sins, you know, the murder and the adultery, and before God finally broke his heart? It was a year. It was one year that David was walking around, and he records for us in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, I believe it is, he records for us that he, it's like everything was drying up on the inside. He knew he was guilty, and, 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 and he was just trying to cover it up, he didn't want anybody to know about it, but inside it was like a cancer eating him away little by little. And he, he, he said, I, I can, it's like I'm just drying up like a pot shirt. I'm just drying up on the inside, and I've got no confidence. I've got no, and, and I believe that was the, one of the worst moments of his life. And boy, there's something so wonderful when we can just go to God and we can pour out and confess before him. You don't need to go to a priest. Believe me, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, he is the intermediary. He is the one that we go to. I mean, the Bible does also say you can go to a friend and confess your faults to one another. There's nothing wrong with that if you trust them. But we can go to God because when we sin, we sin against him. We don't sin against each other necessarily, although we do that too, don't we? Isn't life wonderful? (laughs) So... David here is smarting from his own sin. So let's pick up in verse 10 of chapter 15. So here we see Absalom. Again, David having done nothing. Being a not such a great example of a parent to his sons, especially after his sin. It's almost like he just checked out as a parent. And parents, we can't check out. Even if your son or your daughter or whoever it is, that young person 
in your life, even if they do the same sin, and they know that you've done the same sin, you can't just act like nothing has happened. You've got to be that source of comfort for them. You've got to be that source of that, 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 that governor in their life, that one that, that they can confide in, the one that they can trust, the one that you can tell the truth, even when it hurts. Just because you've, you've stepped in the same thing that your son or daughter stepped in doesn't, give you the, doesn't mean that you can just check out and say, well, I, really, I can't speak any truth to you because I'm guilty of the same thing. No. The devil loves to get you in that place where saying, because you did the same thing, you really can't speak. And you know what I say to that? Tough. You speak. You speak. You have to speak. Speak to your kids. Speak to each other. Be honest with one another. Don't, let, don't lower the bar because you've messed up too. And that, see, that's a problem what happened with David, I believe. Because of his sin, he, in his own heart, he just lost all credibility. And because Absalom had killed now Amnon, even though Amnon deserved to die, to be honest with you, so did David. But, but Absalom had no right to kill Amnon. He deserved death as well for killing. It didn't go through the right channels. That's why we have a, a, a process. Is it still available in our country, a legal process? My mother was a bailiff in the Lee County Sheriff's Department. She's retired now, so I can say the name. But she would tell me how often she heard cases year after year and and they were guilty as anything else, and they got away in a technicality, or they, 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 they were brought to justice. And through the process of, of cross-examination and all these different things, they found, and the jury came back and says, you are guilty of this crime. The DNA points to you. The, the fingerprints, it's all over the gun. It's all over the knife. Your DNA was at the crime scene. And somebody even saw you do it. They captured it on on an iPhone and uploaded it to TikTok. Busted. (laughs) Right? Verse 10. It says, Then Absalom, notice, sent spies through all the tribes. And and here Absalom is just stealing the hearts of the people. He knows that his father's not doing anything, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gate. The gate was the place where they did commerce. Around every guarded city, there would be the gate. And the gate would where was where the judges would meet, where they would do commerce and business. And so what Absalom would do is he would set out a little further from the gate, and as people were coming into the city that had a lawsuit, he was there to help them. What a benevolent guy he is. Just willing to help his dad out. What a great son. Such a wonderful young man. I'm so proud of Absalom, you know. Just helping me out so much like that. And all the while, there was war in his heart. He wanted to overthrow his father angry at his dad. Maybe angry because he did nothing when Amnon raped his sister. Maybe he's thinking to himself, he's not fit to be king. But me, on the other hand, Absalom would say to himself, I think I'd make a pretty good king. Yes, majesty sounds good. I like that. I like the way it rings. So, so now he seeks to win the hearts, and he's winning the hearts of of the men of Israel. Absalom sent spies through all the tribes, verse 10, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And um, it's interesting here that Absalom doesn't perform his treachery in the capital at Jerusalem.
He goes to heaven. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.